Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, today is Sunday, October the 3rd, 2021. And we want to go ahead and get started with a little bit of music to allow people to jump on with us and, and get together. Good morning, Deneen. How you doing? Uh, we're going to start with a song called King of Glory by Todd Delaney featuring Shana Wilson Williams. Uh, we'll go ahead and play that right now for you, an excerpt of that anyway. And uh, we hope that uh, you're having a great morning. Good morning, Clarinda. How are you? Uh, we're just going to go ahead and play some great music now. Here we go. Hope you got your coffee, too. Good morning, Arlen and Angie. How are you? <clears throat> All right, now. Good morning, Roscoe. How are you? Amen. Ronnie, how you doing? Good morning. Glad to hear you're doing okay. Of course, you're really doing okay if you got this. Just telling it like it is. The Lord is good. Good morning. Glad to hear it. Glad to see that. Amen. God bless you all. It's a great day to be alive. The Lord welcomes your presence this morning. Hey, Jackie, good morning. How are you? Glad to have you with us. Good morning, Brother Nate. And Marnell, Brother Nate representing the Raiders. <laughs> Good morning. represent the uh, Las Vegas Raiders all you want. I'll be representing the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> yep, Facebook tried to block the video just now. We're still here. Amen. They do that when they pick out a song that they think that they want to. There's a copyright violation of some sort, but doesn't matter to me. We're going to override and override. Amen. Because we're giving praise and glory to our Lord. We are not using the song for ill-gotten gains. <laughs> <Go> Stealers. 
And the Buckeyes. I just started a, I just started something. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Amen. Huh? I saw that. I saw the Steelers. I have to have a separate uh, live stream for sports talk. <laughs> we can't do that here. We can make fun a little bit during the introduction, but <laughs> I know. Uh, God loves every every football fan is is the same in God's eyes, <laughs> and He doesn't play favorites. <laughs> I can say that biblically. Doesn't play favorites. Okay. Well, I can see what you guys are thinking about now. I take some responsibility for that. (laughs) Oh, God is good. Amen and amen. Pardon me? Look what I've done. Look what you've done to me. Now that sounds like an Al Green song. Thank you, thank you for being here, everybody. Okay, we're going to abbreviate that only because it's a, it's a beautiful song. It's a King of Glory by Todd Delaney featuring uh, Shana Wilson-Williams. And uh, we thank you again, Praise Team, for presenting that song for us to get us started this morning. Uh, and uh, thank you, Arlen, very much. I much appreciate it, too. And uh, uh, Bev Parkman's on. Thanks for being here this morning. We have a few uh, items, a couple of items of business to take care of here before we get going with Sunday School which will be a very interesting lesson from the standpoint of continuation of the book of Hebrews. But before we get to that, um, just a quick note. You probably guessed already that we're going to be indoors at church today because it's been raining and drizzling and it's in the 60s and it's cool. So we will be inside and we will be getting together and we request that you uh, dress comfortably. Uh, Nonetheless, for being indoors, we uh, temperature checks will be taking place at the door. We will be... um, uh, recommending, highly recommending masks to be used, and we will be getting together for the worship, uh, the praise time, and for the message, and then we'll be getting out because we won't, we don't want to stay in the building too long, but the bottom line is that uh, we will be do- doing that to today at 11 at church. Please uh, note that if you are not coming to church today, that you are welcome to stay on the timeline here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. And look for the message for today, Speak and Share the Truth. That's the message that is prepared for today. I will be giving that message, and I'll be doing that live also at church. Pastor Gus is traveling. He is um, he is out of town. He is way out of town. Uh, he, <laughs> he's, I, as far as I know, he's in California. So 
Uh, we, we pray for travel mercies for him, uh, and he will be back next week uh, for uh, the message. And I'm praying that his legs are holding up under him. Amen? Uh, that's the most important thing going on right now, that his legs are, are, are keeping him uh, moving forward. But there was a lot of improvement. I think he was felt pretty good about going. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We uh, still rely upon those, even though the church, not everybody's able to come to church uh, at, at all times because of either busyness or things that are taking place. Please remember those. Those are very important. If you are mailing your tithes and offerings, please mail them to Akron Alliance Fellowship, 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. And if you're bringing the tithes and offerings to church, it'll be the, there'll be a drop box in the lobby as you enter the building. Uh, we appreciate you remembering that as well, too. Okay. We have, that is all the business that I am aware of. I don't think there's anything else going on. Just, uh, just as a brief reminder to keep praying for all of us in the church that pray for our church as far as the health and well-being of every member. We know that um, Brother Roscoe, we want to keep him in prayer as well, too, and keep lifting him up and making sure that uh, the Lord is still tending to him, as well as Brother Larry. That's, those are our two elders. We want to keep them in prayer, as well as Pastor Gus, and for their ongoing strength and recovery. Uh, it's uh, it's just one of those things where we just want to be remembering as a church to be prayerful, because God hears those prayers. I want to. I cannot. I cannot stress enough to you how important it is for you just to make the effort to pray. He does hear and listen to prayers. He does answer to prayers. You have seen this uh, happen in your own life, I'm sure, and we want to encourage everyone to make sure that we're doing those very things. And we are <clears throat> indeed going to get into a new chapter of Hebrews, a new chapter that is going to kind of be a continuation with what we have been discussing uh, on uh, in previous weeks, uh, setting up the, the conversations where we were talking about Melchizedek and Jesus and how they essentially are uh, Melchizedek was a manifestation of Jesus Christ and, and how it's written in scripture and now we're going to get back into this whole thing about the worship in the earthly tabernacle and what that represented and this is going to be kind of a thing where if there are some things that are left out that you can't think about or that you didn't know about we'll be covering it today and, and also covering uh, God's presence within all of those uh, with all of those areas of worship uh, in the tabernacle and how important it was for everyone to be obedient to, according to what God had proclaimed uh, through Moses on how to approach this whole thing about worship. So if it does nothing else, it'll teach us about why we should be worshiping in the way we are, in the manner we are today and why we should treat it in such a way where it's, it's a very important thing. It's a, it's a serious matter. It's nothing to joke around with. It's something that we need to, to see and understand. And we'll see that this whole thing about the tabernacle was a way of training us, honestly. It was just a training, a training of our people. And it was also to give us a reminder and a recognition that of the Romans 3.23 thing, that we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. We, we are reminded of that. The moment you think that you're doing better than someone else or, or you're better, then you need to stop and think closely, very quickly about and very seriously about where you are in your relationship with the Lord. I think that that's what um, this tabernacle, this whole thing about how this is being done should be taken very seriously. So with that in mind, we are going to go ahead and get started with prayer. Um, um, I hope you have your coffee with you. You keep your 
uh, keep your spirits up and keep moving forward. It's delicious. But we're going to go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. And uh, let's, get, let's get going here. Father, we thank you for this time that you set aside for us to be able to just quiet ourselves now and allow you to speak to us. We thank you for your loving presence. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching as well, too. And, Lord, we sometimes don't understand the teaching right away, but we just implore now you to provide the Holy Spirit to provide that teaching and reinforcement so that we do gain greater understanding. We would not be able to do anything that we're doing without the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for its very presence in our lives because we acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. You provided the helper for us to be able to move forward and be able to do what's necessary to have greater understanding and a greater relationship with you. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And that's the whole key. It's all about having a greater relationship with the Lord. I've heard it this morning. I've heard it uh, in different ways uh, being spoken on television today um, with some programs that were on before we went here on the air. And it's all about that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we're talking about here, in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 10, we're going to speak about what it was to worship in the earthly tabernacle. And we're going to be looking at this right now. And we're going to be spending time here. And, of course, it's going to set up for the remainder of Hebrews chapter 9 uh, going forward to, to close out the last few verses of it. And we'll be covering that next week. Um, and that will be from a, uh, a different location, but we'll be covering it next week for sure. But let's go ahead and get started reading Hebrews 9. New Living Translation, everybody. We read from that version, and we just ask you to follow along on your own. Uh, starting at verse 1, Hebrews 9. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Verse 3. Then there was a curtain. And behind the curtain was the second room called the Most Holy Place. Verse 4, in that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Verse 5. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory, whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. And I know exactly why the writer puts that in there. Let's go to verse 6. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins, and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. Verse 8. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. 
For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. Okay, that's Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 10. And you see that how this, this is just all setting up, essentially, the point of worship and a priesthood, namely our high priest in Jesus Christ that we must pay attention to here. So let's go back and look at this again. And of course, now again, look at the audience here. The audience is our, our Hebrews. They're Jewish people. They're Jewish uh, we're going to say Jewish Christians for the sake of discussion here because they are already fully aware of who Jesus Christ is at this point when this is being written. And, they, and we've just gone through the whole exercise in the previous chapters here of looking at who the high priest is, Jesus Christ, who Melchizedek was and who he was as far as where he stood as far as his presence even within what we were referring to as the Old Testament now, uh, which they, they didn't really know about back then as the Old Testament, but they, they know about it as a matter of history. So we recognize now that this whole explanation is taking place for the purpose of showing the Jewish people it was a temporary way of doing things. They didn't see it that way at the time, I'm sure. But now they're being shown that there is a better way that's coming. So let's go back and look at this now and kind of dive into it with a little bit more detail, especially when we get to the part about the cherubim. Okay, so verse 1, that first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. And we recognize that the old covenant under Moses referred to external rules and standards. Remember what, remember what Moses did throughout the entire Pentateuch, which are the first five books of the Bible? What did he do? He established rules and standards for the people. He gave, uh, and, and in many ways, he gave what I would call, uh, he eliminated those loopholes that people would try to get into as far as, well, is this sinful or is this not sinful? And Moses spelled it all out for him. The rules and standards were put in place to show people that what they, if they crossed God's word or they crossed uh, his declaration, uh, then they were in sin and they needed to recognize that and acknowledge it. Remember, this whole thing about the old tabernacle, the whole uh, practice was to show people that they sinned. That's this whole thing about Romans 3.23 that we're talking about. They all had fallen short of God's glory because they were sinful people. Moses set those rules and standards. Now we know, in contrast, that the new, co new covenant in Jesus Christ refers to internal standards. Not the external ones, but internal ones. Specifically the heart. Jesus knows our hearts, amen? Jesus knows our motivations. Jesus knows what our thoughts are as we make them, as we're, even before we even make them. He knows our hearts and minds, and he knows what's going on with us. And that's why we need Jesus, frankly, as Lord and Savior of our lives, because we wouldn't function very well under the old covenant, the, under the old tabernacle thing, um, to be honest with you. God sees our actions. He sees our motives. He sees where we are, and it's accountability to God that matters. Not just the rules, but of course the tabernacle back then did what? It put into place a, a way for people to acknowledge these rules, these external standards, these ways of living. There are ways to treat people, and it, it dealt with people who 
made mistakes. It dealt with people who killed someone accidentally. All the things that we read about uh, in the in the first five books of the Bible uh, that Moses were involved in, and that's what we need to understand that these things had to be spelled out for us so that we would know what the rules were and what we what what were taking place. All right, so let's go further now, back to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 2. And this is a reminder, too, that the tabernacle had a specific way of construction that God had designated. So let's look at this. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. Two rooms. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was the second room, called the Most Holy Place. In that room were a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which we have read about and heard about, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a gold jar, I've forgotten about this, a gold jar containing manna. What was the manna? The manna was that very special offering of food that God had given uh, the people in the wilderness because they were hungry and it had that sweet taste to it. It was like honey, and they had a gold jar, and that manna was preserved in it. Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, um, which was also one of the demonstrations of God's miracles as well, too, and the stone tablets of the covenant. So we, we have those reminders of what God's goodness was by making sure that he was aware that the people were indeed with, he was with the people, he was uh, moving about with them, he was traveling with them. And he was also challenging them at the same time to remember his goodness. And then verse 5, above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory. Now, cherubim are not something created by man. Whose wings stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. But let's look at this and explain what cherubim are. What are cherubim? Cherubim are mighty angels. Those were God's angels. They, God saw fit to make sure that in that with that tabernacle, there were angels that were provide, presiding over the tabernacle. They were the ones who were there. They were present. One of the functions of the cherubim was to serve as guardians. You know, just as you have guards who are at gates or places where um, uh, of importance, you're going to want to have security there. It, it, Essentially, they were security. I think that's the best way to put it. They were the guardians over the tabernacle. They guarded the entrances to both the tree of life. If you were to look back at Genesis 3.24, you would see that too. Um, and the most holy place, that's also Exodus 26, verses 31 through 33. Let's take a look. Turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Exodus 26, verses 31 through 33. And I'll also be reading from the New Living Translation here, just for consistency. Exodus 26, verses 31 through 33. And there's even detail here. And remember, this is something that um, I'm going to sneak. I'm going to sneak in verse 30, only because it, it's it's a it's a speech. You don't need to do anything about that there. But it's just it's just going to explain how. Moses was, fill, uh, was uh, fulfilling God's instruction here. It says, set up this tabernacle according to the pattern you were shown on the mountain. Um, so it says, verse 31, for the inside of the tabernacle, make a special curtain of finely woven linen decorated with blue, purple, and scarlet thread and, and with skillfully embroidered 
cherubim. Now, that's a representation of the angels within the curtain itself. Hang this curtain on gold hooks attached to four posts of acacia wood, overlay the posts with gold, and set them in four silver bases. Hang the inner curtain from the clasps and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. This curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. So understand that that's the setup for what we're referring to where the cherubim were guarding the most holy place. And if you go back to verse 5, their wings were stretched out, verse 5 in Hebrews 9, the wings were stretched out over the ark's cover, the place of atonement, and that's showing that the two gold statues were believed to support God's invisible presence. That's what we need to understand here. Remember, God showed himself as a cloud when we were talking about the glory of God. He, he showed himself and, and manifested himself as the cloud that would fill the tabernacle. And Moses encountered that himself as well, too. But God's presence was being shown here. And, of course, those items in the tabernacle, in the, uh, in the Ark of the Covenant, were reminders of God's goodness as well, too. They, people needed to see these things. You have to understand that. We, we need to see evidence in some way, shape, or form when it comes to life of God's presence. We, we don't physically see uh, a head and shoulders and arms and all that uh, of God. We only can see, frankly, the, the things that he does, uh, the, the power that he exudes, uh, the, the, the healing power that he provides, the, the, the grace that he gives to us, the, the, the way we live our lives today. We, we have been covered with nothing but grace for those of us who have gone through tough times. And, and we have to understand that that's what God shows us today. Back then, he manifested himself by showing the glory of the Lord uh, with his cloud that basically would overshadow everyone and everything. And, and that's what he would do back then. But beyond that, his presence was invisible. But he, we, he still wanted to make sure people were aware that he was around. Ezekiel 9.3, Ezekiel 10.4, Ezekiel 10.18 were all areas where people would understand God's invisible presence. And here they're called the cherubim of divine glory in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 5. And it refers to God's glory that hovered over the Ark of the Covenant. And that was something that if you... Let's take a look real quick to flip, since you might have a finger on Exodus 26, go to Exodus 40. Exodus 40. It's worth looking at. As a reminder, verse 34, and we're going to look at verses 34 through 36. Exodus 40, verses 34 through 36. And this is exactly what I was referring to earlier about this cloud. The cherubim of divine glory. And you'll notice that and you read in other areas, the angels are not all far away from this, okay? They're, they're usually around there. But in Exodus forty thirty four, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. And then it goes on from there. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The, the Lord made himself present with a cloud. 
uh, a very cloud that would move, and the people moved with the cloud as they moved, um, as he moved. And that was important for people to see as well, too. You have to understand, how often were the Jewish people there who were in exile, or not exile, who were in the wilderness, were stiff-necked people? Because they needed constant reminders of God's goodness and presence. I hope that we are not challenged in such a way where we have to be reminded of God's goodness so often that we just forget to do what's important. Here's, an, here's something that just came to mind. Have you, have you considered the importance of praying that God will continue to mature you in your faith, mature you in such a way where you will turn readily to him as opposed to times where you would just be wavering and looking at finding ways to get yourself into trouble? <laughs> uh, honestly, just making sure that you're focusing on the Lord and focusing on him and staying focused on him and maturing in your faith and in your relationship with the Lord. It's these things that we read and see, and that God is present, ever-present all the time. We need to understand that we sin in his presence. We sin right in front of him, and we need to recognize that sometimes that's something that we just shouldn't be doing. We need to pray for more maturity in our faith and recognizing of his presence and and doing so in such a way where we are not... um, frankly, disappointing him, uh, not uh, giving the spirit reasons to uh, groan that we're, 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 breaking, uh, we're breaking our covenant with him. These are things that we need to be praying for as we move forward and as we grow in our faith and mature in our faith. Let's go to verse 6 in Hebrews chapter 9. I hope you guys got what I meant by that. I'm just kind of speaking what's being given right now. Just speaking up from that standpoint. Let's go to verse 6 in Hebrews 9. When these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. Verse 7, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. And then verse 8, by these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed, now look what it says here, by these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. In other words, you couldn't just show up in the holy place, the most holy place, more than once a year, and only the high priest could go in there. Not just any priest, only the high priest. A very regulated system that showed that this was the system that was in place, but it wasn't about giving free entrance to anybody and everybody. There were restrictions involved. Pardon me? It was about reverence for God, right, because he dictated that. And he said, if you enter that room any other time besides that one time of the year, then you would be killed. You would be dead. That would be... Um, something where you're dishonoring God because you're being disobedient to him. It was so intense they would tie a rope to the priest that went in, so if something happened to him, they could pull him out. Oh, wow. I didn't even know about that. They, my, my bride said it was so intense when you went into that room that once a year that they would tie a rope around the priest, I guess around his waist or something like that, and if something happened, they could pull him out um, and, and bring him out of there. But note, note what it says here about the blood sacrifices. This blood sacrifices 
what is it referring to? It's referring to the animals that uh, were given. And, and remember, there were very specific animals that could be done too. Had to be firstborn, had to be uh, without spot or blemish, very specific instructions on who, uh, what animals could be sacrificed, what could be given as sacrifice. And that blood offering, those blood offerings were to do what? Account for sin, the shedding of blood. Okay, let's get to this in uh, additional detail. The high priest could enter the most holy place, the innermost room of the tabernacle, one day a year to atone for the nation's sins. Now, we know today that wouldn't work, would it? <laughs> no, it, it just wouldn't work. We, we know that because of the nature of, of what we see today and what we recognize to just go into a tabernacle once a year and atone for the nation's sins, we know that's just setting a standard that really points more to the reverence of God, who he is, how he is to be treated, how he is to be respected, how he is to be feared, honestly, and, and fear meaning reverence, and doing exactly what he instructs us to do. And we know that thankfully today we are under the law of grace. We are not under the law of the temple or the old tabernacle. Um, but let's continue, not to, to deviate from what we're referring to. This is more of an educational thing about this tabernacle. It had the Ark of the Covenant. It was a gold-covered chest. The Ten Commandments were in there. The jar of manna was in there. Aaron's staff was in there. The top of the chest served as the atonement cover, the altar on which the blood would be sprinkled by the high priest on the Day of Atonement. The Day of the Atonement was the day and the only day that that high priest could go into that inner room, that most holy place. It was the most sacred spot on earth for the Jews. Now, the people who are hearing this message for the first time, they knew that. They knew exactly what this most sacred place was. It was the only the high priest could go in. The other priests and the, and the common people were forbidden to come into the room. Their only access to God was through the high priest who would offer a sacrifice and use the animal's blood to atone first for his own sins and then for the people's sins. And that's something that we'll look at further in chapter 10, verse 19 of Hebrews as well, too. So we get it that this particular area, only the high priest could go in and atone for the sins of the people. And so the people who are reading this and hearing this for the first time recognize that that was the system that was in place. But what they're going to learn is it's just a preface and a prelude for our present high priest, Jesus Christ. And the, wonder, and the beauty of that is, is that we're just seeing that because we learned what was important, what was most important back then? Reverence, honor, giving God the glory, giving God the praise. The people were being trained to honor the Lord, recognize that they were full of sin, they needed atonement, and that high priest was the one to provide that. But now we know that because we have a new high priest, a better standard that is in place, we no longer need to go into a tabernacle. We no longer need to go into a holy place and then a, well, only for the high priest, a most holy place. And we are not restricted now from this whatsoever because we no longer need this tabernacle. We no longer need that because we can go directly to Jesus Christ. It made me think last night as I was kind of mulling over this, you know, we have the system in place in Catholicism where 
uh, confessions are done, and you go to the priest, and you have to go to the priest to make confessions and and seek after uh, him and to listen to you, and then uh, he would essentially pray and acknowledge those uh, those sins, and then you could go on your merely on your own merry way with the understanding that there was forgiveness that had taken place. Well, we don't need to do that. I mean, that's essentially unnecessary, and, and so we have to recognize that right now. Uh, it's unnecessary. We we have the high priest that we can go directly to, meaning namely Jesus Christ, to to go and see him and seek after him. We can stop and pray at a moment's notice and, and give our uh, matters to him. He is our intercessor directly to God the Father, but ultimately that's why we always pray in Jesus' name because he is the one who has accounted for our sins past, present, and future because of his death on the cross. Amen and amen. That's what we have to recognize here. But we see this now, and let's go back to verse 9 in Hebrews chapter 9. This is an illustration pointing to, meaning the the previous verses that were read, this is an illustration pointing to the present time. Pointing to the present. For the gifts and sacrifices the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. And that's right. It would atone for the sin at that moment, but it didn't atone and cleanse the consciences of the people who brought those sins. That's one thing that God's uh, forgiveness of sin would do. It, it, it forgave the sin itself, but what about us as a people? Were we still inclined in our flesh to commit sin? Were we, uh, you know, today we may have an attitude, we're going to be cool on Sunday, but we're going to act crazy on Monday. Um, because that's usually what the flesh will do, right? It, it, and maybe, maybe, maybe even later on Sunday, frankly, um, we have to be very... <laughs> We got to get out the door of the church phrase, right? <laughs> I mean, but this is my point. Because of our flesh, we are inclined, our consciences will, will take us right to a place we don't need to go. And, and we have to understand that. And we also have to understand, too, and, and I'm going to kind of mention this in today's message later on, that uh, it, people's uh, personal motivations and fleshly behaviors within a church hurt the church. Uh, we, we need to understand that this is what's, what's going on um, when our flesh takes over and we're not really looking to the Lord for guidance. We're not, looking, we're not allowing the Spirit to work in our lives. Remember, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And, but we have, a, we have a choice whether or not we're going to use that Holy Spirit when it comes to our behaviors. Amen? I mean, we, that's a choice we make. We, we all have choices that we make. There are choices that we make to either be obedient to God or to be disobedient to God. That's the end result of those choices. And we have to recognize that every day. And we have to recognize that at all times. So this illustration was showing us that the priests could not do anything to cleanse our consciences. They could all just, all they could do is just take care of that sin up to that moment. But then there's another hour, there's another day that takes place where we would get right back into sin. So we need... Pardon me? It was, a temporary fix. it was just a temporary fix. That was the whole point of the tabernacle. It was a temporary fix. Very good point. So look at verse 10, Hebrews 9. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies, physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be 
established. Now, we know what that system is now because we know that Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross for us and he provided the opportunity now where, if you remember, when Christ died, at the moment he died, that curtain, uh, that tabernacle curtain or the, or the temple curtain, I think at that time, was torn in two because it no longer, it was a representation and no longer restricted us to have access directly to the Lord. It was a new day. It was a new opportunity because when, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. It took care of it right then. The ultimate fulfillment, of course, was when he rose from the dead and showed himself to be God, to be Lord uh, over all. And so we need to understand that as well, too, that that also had to take place. But the moment he died, he died for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Now, what does that represent for us? So we see what the old system did, and this was what was being taught to the Hebrew Christians during this message, during this sermon, whatever it was, this, this continuation of what's being taught here about the importance of focusing on Jesus Christ. But if our heart is not changed, following God's rules, following his word, which his word, is, it's all represented in his word, these rules and these things that he puts forth, if we don't change our heart, it's going to be very unpleasant for us. It's going to be very difficult for us to stay in tune with who Jesus Christ is, having that fellowship with him. And that was kind of why I said what I said about being prayerful for maturity. Because we, our hearts need to be changed. Uh, and changed for better. Changed to get stronger and more intense in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to mature in our faith. And the Holy Spirit is there to do exactly that. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. That's what that maturity is. He sanctifies us, meaning we get stronger and stronger in our faith and get go greater and greater in our faith. And if we don't have our heart changed, it's going to be really tough for us. And we're going to be re rebelling against God, honestly. If we, if we have hearts that are not following him, we're not going to want to hear it. You have to understand that a lot of people who are non-believers are rebelling against God. They don't want to hear God's truth. Now, isn't it interesting that no one is forcing or ramming God down anyone's throat? Let's start with that. No one's ramming God down anybody's throat. We provide information. We provide a message about the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and no one's saying, well, you have to believe. You don't have to do anything. It's a choice that you make. But why do get people so get so ticked off Sometimes when they hear about God's truth, it's because they're in active rebellion. That's why they get ticked off because they're in active rebellion against him. That's what's going on. And that's what we have to see and recognize here. And we don't want, normally we have an attitude, we don't want anybody telling us what to do about anything, do we? Uh, that's the flesh. <laughs> we don't want anybody telling us what to do. That That is something that, you know, I can do this. You don't have to tell me. Well, first of all, you better make sure that what you're doing, you know what you're doing, and you better make sure that you're doing it the proper way, too. There's the right way of doing things, and there's a the wrong way of doing things. There's a right way of setting up a campfire, okay? There's, there's safety measures when you're setting up a campfire. You just don't go with reckless abandon uh, because the campfire will soon be you if you're doing that the wrong way. So you have to understand that. Uh, <laughs> Is, uh, <laughs> that just came to mind, everybody. I don't even know why campfire came up, but that's just, it's very true. 
it's very true. There's a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way. And so we don't like to take instruction, and sometimes we need to take instruction because it's going to be beneficial for us. Um, just like the whole hot stove routine and don't cross the street uh, until you're supposed to, all those things. But we need to recognize that we as adults, we got to grow up and mature and allow the Holy Spirit to help us with this whole process of instruction. The Spirit was revealing back then that this was just a temporary setup, this whole tabernacle thing. The Holy Spirit, uh, who was present back then, just did some teaching and helped us to understand these things and was hopefully teaching those, those Jewish Christians who are listening here that this was indeed temporary. Now we have a new high priest, Jesus Christ. But, and he is the one who provided the Holy Spirit for us. Um, go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Note that Jesus is also representing us what the Holy Spirit, representing to us what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to give us and compel us to obey God. He desires for that for us. He wants us to do these very things. It's not about uh, turning us into robots. It's about having, giving us the heart and the desire to serve God and act on his behalf. And that's exactly what we're going to be focusing on even later today uh, if you look, uh, hear the message later today. But it says, Dear friends, in Philippians 2, verse 12, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions. This is Jesus speaking when I was with you. And now that I'm away, well, this is actually Paul speaking, but he's actually saying the same thing for us. Because Jesus is not present either, but he's saying the same thing for us here. And now that I'm away, it is even more important, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So yes, Paul is saying this, but you can also say that he's also using the same words of Jesus here. He's giving you the same information. He is giving you what you need to do what's necessary to please him. And how does he do that? With the presence of the Holy Spirit. He said he had to go away for a moment, and then he would send the Spirit when he wasn't present. He couldn't send the Spirit because he honestly was the one who was representing the Spirit at the time when he was here on earth. So he sent the Spirit to indwell with us, to help us to find ways to want to obey God, to be obedient to him. And he gave us this new heart. He, gave a, he tore away this heart of stone and made a heart of flesh for us, which is what we read also in Scripture in the Old Testament. Because this heart that we have now is now moldable and shapeable in such a way where we can be obedient to the Lord and follow him and trust in him and do what's necessary. That's what we have to recognize here. Okay. So we went through this whole exercise of looking at this old tabernacle, knowing that after all is said and done, that it was still preparing us for this better system to take place. And we're going to cover that next week as we get into the rest of Hebrews chapter 9 and see what that really means. Amen? So let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Father, for this time to, to sit before you and hear you speak to us, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for how you show us all the provisions that you have made before um, during and after, when we talk about the life of Christ, all the things that led up to him, all the things that took place during his life on earth, 
And now the way we live because of his death on the cross and how he rose and just showed himself to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords for our life. We thank you, Lord, for your teaching. We thank you for its completion. We thank you for the completion of what you did for us because you loved us. We thank you, Lord, for showing us the importance of looking to you, allowing the Spirit to live through us as we move forward. We thank you again. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, thanks, everybody. Um, I'm going to end now because we're going to get ready for church later on today. But uh, I trust that you'll be with us next week because we're going to continue this chapter uh, in Hebrews and continue the study, uh, getting more into now the blood of Christ and the redemption aspect. So if we welcome you back uh, again, uh, same time next week. Until then, God bless you all. Take care of yourselves. For those of you in Akron, we'll see you down in church a little bit later on. Take care of yourselves and stay tuned on the timeline for today's uh, message as well, too. Speak and share the truth. And we hope you enjoy that as well, too, and that the Lord speaks to you through that. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.